Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our Bible study. Thank you so much for being part of this journey with us and for many of you who've been part of this journey for this year. Um, we come now towards the end of November and we'll have a few more Bible studies before we take a break for Christmas time. But thank you for being part of it this week. Um, on Sunday, we had a look at a Advent preaching series entitled Words Fit for a King. And uh, I had a look at some of the voice of the prophets. And um, just towards the end of the sermon, I mentioned a quote from Jeremiah chapter 23, which I'd like to look at a bit closer today. It may be interesting if you want to do your own little um, exercise of digging around into, into this topic um, and see what comes up for you. But in the meantime, we can turn to Jeremiah chapter 23, and then I'll just offer a word of prayer for us. So, Lord God, as we come in this season of Advent to prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits for your coming, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are present with us. We thank you that Advent reminds us that uh, you are the God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come again. And so just in this time we, we set aside today, we pray that you would make yourself known to us again. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Jeremiah chapter 23, if you have turned there, we're going to um, just have a look at, at what Jeremiah has to say. And so this is probably around about 500 years before Jesus was born. And so he starts off in verse 1 by saying, Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Now, I think what happens for most of us when we read that uh, word shepherds, we immediately jump to think of something spiritual. Um, and this, it's not wrong, but uh, we also kind of miss out in that moment when we do that um, on the other leaders that Jeremiah could be speaking about. Because a shepherd in the context of, um, of any community is not just a spiritual shepherd, but could also be a civic leader or a ruler or politician, um, somebody who takes care of other people. Now, the reason why I make note of that today is because there's a strong possibility that Jeremiah was speaking about a particular person when he was referring to this. Now, like I often say, we are very privileged to be able to read the scriptures from the lens of the New Testament. And so we look at it, or I certainly look at it through the eyes of Jesus, having known that he was the Messiah or is the Messiah for us. But at the time when Jeremiah was writing, um, people were still holding on for the Messiah. And uh, the context of Jeremiah 23 could be that he is referring to um, the king of Judah, whose name at that particular time was Zedekiah. His original name, you may find uh, his original name referred to as Mataniah. But um, King Zedekiah was king of Judah from around about 597 to about 586 BC. And his reign came to an end through the uh, Babylonian captivity and the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, Jeremiah, being a prophet, um, along with many other people who were, were challenging the king, um, saw the king as sometimes being very double-minded and, and weak. So very much swayed by public opinion and so on. So, I mean, just 
so we understand what uh, what happens is that Zedekiah kind of not that he allows the Babylonians to uh, to take over because I think he did try and and fight against them but it was during the siege the Babylonian laid siege to Jerusalem um, in the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign it was during this time that we get wind of the fact that uh, that Jeremiah urged some kind of um, very patient submission to the dominion of the Babylonians. He saw this as being God's will and and that God would get them through this tricky situation if they just played their cards right. Of course, this didn't go down well and, and many other people um, denounced Jeremiah and accused him of of deserting of and then they threw him into prison and so on. But if you want to read more more around uh, Zedekiah himself, you need to go to 2 Kings chapter 24 and 25, and there's quite a lot of information about that story. You can also find it recorded in the second book of Chronicles, chapter 36. Um, needless to say, what happens after the siege, so six months into the siege of, um, of Jerusalem, Zedekiah and his men flee at night, and... Um, are then captured by the Babylonians. It is said through some historical sources that he and his leaders were then taken before King Nebuchadnezzar and Zedekiah's sons were slain and um, he himself was blinded and then carried in chains to Babylon where he was held in prison until, until he passed. And then what happened with Jerusalem was that it was destroyed. The walls and the houses and everything was sacked and burnt. And... Um, most of them were deported back to Babylon. So Judah, because um, King Zedekiah was the king of Judah at that time, you know, the north and the southern kingdom were divided. And so Ju Judah lost its status as a kingdom and then became a province of Babylon. Now, why all of this big historical thing for you today? Well, because when... When you now read verse 1 again with all this historical background, it may start to make a bit more sense. So let me read it. Woe to the shepherds, and for sake of today, maybe just put in Zedekiah's name. Woe to Zedekiah, you who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. So do you see now how suddenly it comes alive for us? Verse 2, therefore, says the Lord, the God of Israel, in regard to the shepherds who care for and feed my sheep, you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not attended to them. Hear this, I am about to visit and attend to you for the evil of your deeds, says the Lord. And we could see that being fulfilled as the Jewish people were taken into exile and Zedekiah himself also taken into exile into exile. So in the midst of all that um, depressing news and everything going bad, we, we now see God begins to speak in the midst of it. Um, and some commentators tell us that for Jeremiah, he was very big on the fact that out of the tempest or out of the storm, God, the eternal one, the supreme being, would speak to his people. Um, those of you uh, who've, who've managed to get hold of my book, Christ and Our Chaos, it's kind of a similar idea that even in the midst of chaos and the storm, that God is present with us and God speaks. So in the midst of this, we see 
that um, God speaks. So through the prophet, he speaks a few a few things. So there are three particular things that he says in Jeremiah 23. Um, verse 3, Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries to which I have driven them and bring them back to their folds and pastures, and they will be fruitful and multiply. So there's a big, big promise in this. So he's wanting to allow the people who are in captivity to experience hope. Um, and so he uses the phrase, I will gather the remnant. It's a promise from God. I will. Um, in time, I will make this happen. So that's the first promise. The second one is, I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they will not be afraid any longer, nor be terrified, nor will any be missing, says the Lord. So not only is Jeremiah promising on God's behalf that they will return and come back to the pastures, but that God will set up shepherds, rulers, civic leaders, people in authority who will feed them. So one could see that as physical feeding, but also taking care of them, nurturing them, removing from them fear. You can just imagine being a slave or being a captive in a foreign land that certainly initially, but I think most of the time, the people are filled with fear and, uh, and really just wonder what their future holds. Then he comes to the third promise, and this is found in verse, verse 5. Behold, in other words, saying to the people, listen carefully, listen closely. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and will do justice and righteousness in the land. So he's just through this, this uh, image, he's inviting people to draw near, to listen closely and saying that what God is going to do is he's, he's, he's going to gather the remnant. He's going to set up shepherds and then out of those people, he's going to raise up for the line of David, the royal line, a righteous branch. So we know not an actual branch of a tree, but if you look about a family tree, and um, that's one way of looking at this. So from the family line, there will be a, li a lineage, a branch that would, um, that would have this wise king who would reign in justice and righteousness. But also, often in the imagery of the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah being one of them, um, there would be this, this language used of a tree being cut down and that the stump would um, seem dead, but from that stump a branch would shoot off or, or, or come out of that. So it's a very, um, a very Old Testament image and, and a very powerful image. But if you're listening to that in the season of Advent, doesn't it also speak to us of, of, of hope and, and of Jesus? Because we know that Jesus is of the line of David. One just has to go to the genealogy of Matthew and you will see um, that, that Jesus or the Messiah is of the line of David. And, and he will reign as a king and act wisely. Now we've covered that uh, many times before, but the, um, the Magi who traveled traveled to see the newborn baby Jesus believed that he was a king. So we see all of these words and the prophecies uh, coming true um, in the person of Jesus. And then verse 6, it says, In his days Judah will be saved. 
and Israel will dwell safely. So remember, both the northern and southern kingdom were named uh, Judah and Israel. And um, his, his word to the people is that they will be saved and will, uh, will dwell in some kind of safety. And then he says, now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. And now that, that is a, also something that's worth just holding on to and dwelling on for a moment. Because um, the word in Hebrew is Sidkinyahu. Something something pronounced like that, Tzidkiyahu. Now, which means God is our righteousness. Now, what may come as a great shock and a surprise for us is that when you look at the meaning of Zedekiah's name, remember the, the king I was talking about earlier on, who Jeremiah is speaking about, is that when you look at the definition or the meaning of Zedekiah's name, it is the same thing. It is God is our righteousness. And so there's this play on this word. So just as Zedekiah, the king who was installed by the people, deserts them and they are given over to captivity, so the new king, who we are seeing as Jesus, the Messiah, he will come, he will save the people, they will live in this safety, they will live in this time of peace, and he will be called the Lord our righteousness. And um, another way of, of reading righteousness, in, also in the Hebrew, can also be salvation or deliverance. And so the Messiah, the one who is to come, Jesus our Messiah, the one who is also to come in the end, um, is our salvation and he is our deliverance. And just like Zedekiah was not able to live into his name, so Jesus uh, as our Messiah will live into the name of being our righteousness and our salvation. Now, I'm going to stop there because we could carry on a lot and, and chapter 23 has a whole lot of other meaning. We haven't really got time to go into that today. But just to Another reminder of the, the other passage from Micah, which we, we touched on on Sunday, in verse 4, there also is a reference to a shepherd. And maybe now, after having spoken all these things about um, Zedekiah and in the words of Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 4 of Micah may also have a, a new significance for us, where Micah prophesied and he said, talking of the Messiah, and he shall stand and shepherd and guide his flock in the strength of the Lord. So just on that, this Messiah who, who Micah was speaking about would, would shepherd, would take care of, guide the flock, not in his own strength, not as a, as a human leader or politician, but in the strength of the Lord. And we often would see how Jesus did many miracles and would, would do things uh, in the strength of, of his Father, in God's strength. Verse 4 carries on to say, In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell or live in secured, undisturbed peace. And then going on to verse 5, This one, talking about the Messiah, shall be our peace. And so there's this beautiful connection in the Old Testament prophets for the Messiah who was to come. And we, we know that um, particularly at, at a certain point in the history, history of the Jewish nation, they 
they longed to have a human representative, a monarchy that was able to lead them. And so we then see this transition from a monarchy to a theocracy. And theocracy basically means being ruled by God. And, and if you come back to the beginning of the story of, of creation and man and woman, we were under this theocracy. We, God was our leader and our ruler. Um, but we as, as human beings begged God for human leaders who would then be God's representation. And from that time, things kind of also unraveled and, and didn't go so well. And so this, this image of Jesus, the Messiah, the one who's fully divine and yet fully man, uh, we see this connection as God fulfills um, his ancient prophecies. Just one more scripture that I wanted to use to tie into this is Jesus himself before um, he, he goes on the journey towards the, the crucifixion when he's ministering to people in Galilee and, and the surrounding villages. In Matthew chapter 9, um, we see, I want to read from verse 36, it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion and pity for them, because they were dispirited and distressed, like sheep without a shepherd. And this uh, quote or this line um, has a strong connection all the way back to the book of Kings, 1 Kings 22 verse 17, you could look that up. But the point I want to make again is that Jesus is a different kind of shepherd, a different kind of ruler. Um, he's moved with compassion and pity. He, he sees them being dispirited and distressed, and so he wants to intervene. And it's interesting that just after that verse, in verse 37 of Matthew 9, he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. And of course, that's another whole conversation. But if we read it in light of what has um, gone before today, what we can see in that is that there are so many people in the world around us who, who long just to hear the fact that there is a ruler, there is a shepherd, there is a king who takes compassion on them and has pity on them and wants to, and wants to bring them into his care and into the fold. But God relies on us to be the workers and the messengers in this. So friends, as we journey in the season of Advent, and uh, like I say, we're very, very close uh, to Christmas now, um, just over three weeks to go. I pray that as we look at the words of the prophets this week, that we would see them pointing to Jesus. And then we prepare ourselves for Sunday's message, where we reflect on another aspect of of people speaking about our king and that is we're going to look at how the angels spoke about the messiah so come let us pray lord jesus thank you that you are our righteousness thank you that you are the one who is the real shepherd the one who stays with us his people who has compassion on us and pity and when the going gets tough you don't run in the opposite direction but you remain with us so we pray in the season of Advent, that we'd always remember you as that, the, the Messiah, the Righteous One, the Holy One, and the One who dwells with His people. In Jesus' name, Amen.